0: Hello, and welcome back to Literally Literary. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes. This episode, we will begin our discussion on Citizen Illegal by Jose Olivares. Last episode, we continued our discussion on Erika Sanchez's novel, I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. This episode, we're joined by Jose Olivares himself to discuss his debut collection, Citizen Illegal.
1: Hey, Jose.
2: Hey, what's going on? Hello, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, we yeah. can hear you perfectly. Excellent. Uh, we really appreciate you know th- this opportunity. Um, first, I you know uh, before we get into uh, the specifics, uh, just wanted to check in,
2: see how you all re- you you were doing. Um, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, kind of scared for a lot of my family and just a lot of people. Um, But so far, uh, you know, I've been pretty, I haven't felt any symptoms. So I'm just trying to stay safe and trying to do what I can to help people. It's really good to
1: hear, you know, same here. Um, You know, I'm glad we're able to connect. And uh, of course, you know, um, we were all very bummed that your visit wasn't able to work out. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we can schedule something for the fall and once, if hopefully things are better by then, you know?
2: Yeah. I'm bummed that I won't get to visit El Paso in the spring. Um, I haven't visited, so I was looking forward. Um, um yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, you, you, you do reference El Paso, you know, in, in ice raids, you know, in one of your poems. Um
2: Yeah.
1: And um, Vanessa and Richie. Uh, well, you, you know Vanessa, but I don't. I don't know if you met Richie, but they were both at AWP, um, and, and you know they can kind of tell you. Uh, they, I think they went to your uh, reading at the Ocho.
2: At the Ocho, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I left that one a little bit early, um, but thank you for coming. I, I think I got a chance to talk to Vanessa Richie. Did we get a chance to talk? No,
3: no, it didn't. It didn't happen this time around, but it was cool to, to catch you perform uh, at, at the bar. Cool.
2: Thank you. Thank you for, for coming to that. Um, mm-hmm. I remember talking to Vanessa for sure. Cool. Vanessa, are you there?
0: I Yes, I'm here.
1: Oh. <laughs> 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 okay. Just making sure. Um, cool, cool. Well, you know... Uh, I, um, I hope you don't mind if we get straight to it. Cause you know, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, well, you know, um, Vanessa had most of the questions. Uh, I wanted to give her more voice and, um, one of her questions actually ties into the book that we just finished talking about, which was, uh, Erica Sanchez's, um, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so we just finished talking about a couple of days ago, so it's fresh in our mind uh, as we're talking about yours uh, as it is an illegal. Um, and so I'll let her, you know, uh, ask her what, what, you know, what the question was, but it's something related to uh, upbringing and, and how uh, that has impacted your work. Okay, for sure.
0: Um, so I wanted to ask you, well, last month we were talking about this whole idea of like what it means to be the perfect Mexican son or daughter. And, um, you also had a a poem titled, I tried to be a good Mexican son. And I also Mm -hmm. think that this idea, as well as the feeling of home and being who you are is just in two separate places and it's two completely different cultures, um, do you think that the merging of both of these worlds takes away from the possibility of being able to live up to these expectations of being a perfect or good Mexican son or daughter?
2: Um, do you mean the merging of the two worlds as in uh, growing up in the United States for kind of merging Mexican culture, American culture, um, is that what you mean
0: yes yeah (laughs)
2: um I don't know if it's that specific movement I you know I think part of it is on one hand you know I I remember growing up my parents always telling me about Sacrificio and about a sacrificio that they made in coming to the United States, and how it was for me and my brothers to have a good education so we wouldn't have to work the way that they worked, right um so there's there's that part of it, and then I think on the other hand, going to school and seeing that you know this this life that my parents envisioned right this this fairy tale life that for them it's like if you go to school then things get easier right and not only do things get easier but the questions get easier and being a lawyer is like one way I just think like seeing the other side of that right like seeing what it's actually like in the school and seeing that the questions don't necessarily get easier. They just, it's different. And you have to put up with a whole bunch of nonsense in other ways, right? So like my my parents are tired sometimes physically because they do manual labor. um, And for sure, it's hella hard work. At the same time, I think about like how much BS I had to put up with in my classes from classmates you know, making little comments or whatever, and it's you know what I mean. Like, it, there's mm-hmm. like, a, for me, it was, it was like an emotional labor that I had to do. Um, and so, for me, it's just like, maybe it does come from this, from this like bridging of two worlds. Maybe it's more basic, as in like, you know, parent, uh, parent-child relationships. I don't know, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't know if it's specific to like immigrant children or children of immigrants or if it's broader than that. I do know that like I talk to, you know, kids who are, you know, their parents are Dominican or Puerto Rican in New York or wherever. And they're like, that poem also applies to me. So uh, I don't I, I don't have a sense yet if it's specific to children of immigrants or if it's beyond that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head on the sacrificio, you know. Um, It's definitely something that uh, really resonated with me as well. Uh, Same kind of, um, you know, child of immigrants. And um, um, the um, the divide, you know, between a working class, uh, uh, pa- parents, you know, and you, uh, or me, uh, you know, um, being writers, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, teachers, you know, um, I, I think, um, along with that, uh, Jose, um, you know, along with the ways that you discuss the different, um, struggles of of being Mexican or being Mexican American. Um things like, you know, gentrification or as you call it, hentification. Um mm-hmm. there's also a lot of uh, musical allusions. Um, you mm-hmm. know, starting with your uh Jay-Z epigraph. Um mm-hmm. and so Vanessa had a question about that for you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um so I'm like a really big Kanye fan of um, <laughs> So you mentioned a couple of, well, you mentioned College Dropout specifically, mm-hmm. and you also mentioned Slow Jams, and the poem Heki Na is, a, well, from what I understood, was a reference to School Spirit also. Um, yes. <laughs> um I was wondering why you chose those specific songs and that specific album by him.
2: Um, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, College Dropout came out when I was 16 years old. So it that album was a big part of, you know, was like the soundtrack to a bunch of major moments in my life. So I just think it's when I think about those moments, when I think about, you know, growing up in Chicago, I, I, it's just, it's always Kanye. It's always that album. Um, so to me it makes a lot of sense that it'd be that album and that there'd be a lot of Kanye West references in the book
1: cool cool um and Jose, aside from from the music you know um th- there's a lot of uh, other allusions you know um, not just to uh mexican culture but to um you know Tupac um and uh, I think you know something we were talking about pre-show was uh, your writing style, um, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, you know it's we we have you have a collection here which is divided into five parts, and uh, each of them uh, c- uh, containing a, a poem Mexican Heaven that you know that we've seen you perform in person you know whether it was at the Texas Book Festival or AWP. Um, you know where you kind of merge into different parts, um. But Vanessa had a question about your um, your uh, use use of like capitalization. Um, so I'll let her uh, ask you that. Okay.
0: Um. So I was kind of just curious because you capitalized, like Saint Peter and La Virgen de Guadalupe, but you didn't capitalize Heaven or God. And I was just curious as to what the reason behind it was.
2: Yeah, I think the reason behind that is that I wasn't, that I wanted to make sure that in writing about God, I wasn't, I mean, those Catholics are, are kind of based in the theology of Catholicism. Cause that's what I was raised with. But when I think about God, for me, it's not like a uh, a capital G God because I don't think about there being one God and there's like a correct God and the wrong God. For me, you know, I, I think about God in the lowercase because I think of God as being many and being kind of everywhere. Um and so for me, that's that's why God isn't capitalized. And then heaven, I think for the same reason I was thinking about, you know, particularly that poem is the imagination of many different heavens, some which are, you know, turn out to be, you know, maybe not as golden as they seem from the outside looking in. And so that's why I also uh, did not capitalize heaven.
1: Hmm that's very interesting, Jose, the, the conception that you describe of, of, a of a God, um, uh, figure. And I mean, it sounds pantheistic, you know, the way that you describe it. Um, you know, this, this kind of, uh, God is everywhere kind of view of looking at it. Um, and, um, uh, I think, uh, you know, along, along the same lines, um, all of us were also, um, curious about, uh, your influences. Uh, me in particular, Yeah. you know, uh, we've, you've, we, as we've talked about before here that, you know, you have a lot of musical illusions, a lot of uh, religious illusions, cultural illusions, a lot of odes. Um, you have, um, you, as, as Vanessa had mentioned with, you know, you don't capitalize some words, um, and things like that. And, you know, I've read your acknowledgements and you have a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, Titans in our, you know, poetas who, um, uh, I, I also admire, you know, Nate Marshall, Ada Limon, and, and, um, you know, so many others, um, and so my question that Richie was also going to follow up with because they're related was just about you know your influences, um, what kind of shapes you, uh, what kind of, um, what, who who you who you read you know that really stuck with you that made Citizen Illegal the great work that it is. Um, so that was my question, but Richie was going to follow up on that since it's along the same
3: lines. Yeah. Wait, but was was that like a question to be answered first, though?
2: No, no. Yeah, do you want me to answer first? Uh,
3: sure, if
1: you want to answer first, and then Richie can follow up. <laughs> okay, cool.
3: Um, I'll adapt. Yeah. All
2: right. Um, I mean, I have a whole lot of influences. When I was writing Citizen Illegal, in particular, my influences were Ada Limon, Natalie Diaz. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of. Uh, Sandra Cisneros and in particular the way that like Mango Street mm-hmm. is written in vignettes. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. often I, I I think about writing in vignettes and I think the vignette is powerful and I think I get that from reading Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think like the odes come from being in workshops with mm-hmm. po- mentor poets in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Kevin Koval, um, and Idris Goodwin and Krista Franklin that are kind of always assigning mm. odes, um, and you know I think there's like a bunch a bunch more influences. I think when I was revising the book, I was reading Natalie Center Zapico's first book, uh, *The Virgin Cities*, mm. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which was a huge influence. Like mm. I think like specifically, I can tie the poem hentification mm. to to Natalie's book because there's this way that in that book, especially I mean her second book is also great, but I hadn't read it at mm-hmm. that time. There's like this building of an of an imagery and a that is somewhat related, but the leaps are kind of it moves. In a sense that is other than logic right like the images kind of lead to one another, even if you know logically they don't make sense in the in the in the form of the poem they do. And so I think I was thinking about that, so I think there's like a lot of little things that I pulled from many many different books that I love, but those are some of the ones that were really important to me while writing. The, while writing Citizen Illegal.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, thank you for sharing that. I think, um, you know, both Richie and I um, went to school with Natalie and, you know, are, are um, very supportive of her, you know, and um, uh, we really love that work as well, Virgin Cities and Lima um, Limon, mm-hmm. you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, you're just kind of striking a lot of chords here with us. Um uh, and, uh, it makes sense what you, what you mentioned, you know, um, I think, you know, um, the, the writing workshops you mentioned, uh, Richie was talking about a pre-show actually about how olds are something that is, um, readily understood to students, you know, and, um, something that they find, you know, a voice in. And I think, you know, that kind of goes to the power of poetry, you know, that it seems inaccessible to many. And to many of our students, it is. It does seem that way, you know, but that's why I, I'm all about teaching uh, contemporary poetry like you and, you know, um others who they see themselves in. You know, uh, that's part of the reason why we have this podcast, too. Um, but, yeah, thank you again. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
3: Yeah, right on. Wow, oh, that was a lot, huh? <laughs> to to kind of wrangle <laughs> in and because uh, because uh, you know I'm I'm thinking of like all the questions leading up to now, you know, and and whenever I talk to a writer, you know, I always like I always like to ask, you know, who were your teachers, you know, as you not just growing up but as you learned the craft, and and I'm not speaking strictly in a in an academic sense, but you know you've touched on these, but through pop culture through music through through community through family um and I wonder if there is any any other i mean you've touched on on a lot of writers you've touched on some of the music that that pulled you through what about like maybe in community
2: yeah, I mean, I think a lot about my peers i mean when i was so I didn't go to uh to grad school to get an m f a in poetry I learned you know, not just the writing of poetry, but also the kind of process leading through publication, through community. So I remember everything from when I was starting to submit poems, and when you submit poems, they ask you for a cover letter, and I didn't know how to write that. So, um, you know, it was my friends, it was my peers, people like Nate Marshall, who gave me his template for a cover letter. So that i could submit poems for publication right i didn't know about any of the grant opportunities or any of the residencies or things like that and again it was like it was my peers it was Mm. um poets like fatima oscar and jamila woods and eve ewing and all these other people um who went on residencies who won grant opportunities and who you know you know i learned just by watching them do their work like oh you can Apply for the Ruth Lilly Scholarship or whatever. So I think um, my peers have been a big part in in kind of teaching me, and and I think we kind of teach each other. Yeah. Um, and then you know I also think about like um, I just think about you know various coworkers that I've had that have either looked out for me or. Uh, I, you know, I remember another big thing for me was like when I was 19 years old and I, I was home in Chicago on winter break from college, um, I'm sorry, I got disconnected for a second. Can you hear me? Oh,
1: yeah, you're good. You're good.
3: Um, I was on the edge of my seat, waiting for the know like, waiting for the rest. Well, when I was 19,
2: it felt like
1: I, like a three pointer.
2: But... <laughs> um, I I came back to Chicago, and this guy Michael Hefflinger he invited me to be a featured poet at our local open mic. And you know, I didn't have any poems published. I didn't have any books. I was still a teenager. I you know I I was, but. I, yeah I was still so young in the process but getting that opportunity meant the world to me and it made me feel so professional in a sense and it was so encouraging and so I think about all those small moments too right um of people just like believing in me but you know when at a time when you know maybe I didn't really know exactly what I was doing
3: mm. yeah that's amazing very important gesture, right? That's, that's solidarity, that support in, in our communities through our peers. And I'm, Thank you. Yeah, Thank you for that. I'm also
1: glad Jose, that, uh, you bring up uh, open mics, you know, because I know that like, uh, that's kind of, you know, where you, uh, cut your teeth and how a lot of people found out about you, um, you know, and not to, uh, kind of, um, Just to make a local connection, you know, we were hoping to have you at an open mic here because Richie here uh, runs the Barbed Wire open mic series. And, um, you know, obviously right now we're not doing it, but it's something that we do see a lot of community um, solidarity that Richie was talking about. And um, a way to people just kind of uh, display their work and eventually, you know, Richie knows that people who ended up you know publishing those uh poems or whatever it is that they performed you know uh, subsequent uh to those first you know first moments that you reference, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and I mean those spaces are so important because they want like they're they're accessible in the way that books feel less accessible sometimes. Like, even mm-hmm. if you're given a book that you love, you know, you don't necessarily get a chance to have a conversation with that author. Um, but if you go to an open mic and you see a poem by someone, you can go talk to them afterwards and ask them, you know, tell them how much you love the poem and you can ask them if you can share. You know what I mean? Like, there's those spaces are interactive a lot more in a way that books aren't readily that interactive necessarily.
3: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I agree, And um, a lot of opportunity for growth in, in different ways than, than you might not expect. Oh, absolutely,
2: absolutely. I mean, to this day, like when people ask me about how I learned, I, I learned by going to open mics all around Chicago. And if a poem, it wasn't enough that a poem played in one open mic, but if I could like go read a poem and have it go well, uh, on the Southwest side of the city and also read it on the far South side and on the North side, then I could see that I was doing something that was, that was working on multiple levels, right? Cause multiple different people could find ways into it and I could keep it grounded in one place or the next, but, um, they're, they're absolutely great places to learn. Yeah. Cool.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we were to talk about that, you know, because right now, you know, um, as I was saying, like, um, you know, we, we, it's something that we all here in the city miss um, and uh, me and myself, like I kind of realized how I kind of might've taken it for granted, you know, like mm-hmm. you finding out all, the, all these things that we're taking for granted because they're no longer there, you know, and
3: um, but uh yeah yo you don't you don't even know how how many people are messaging me every day about how much they miss the space to be able to like vent with people you know to the mic so yeah i get you
2: (laughs) it's it's important it's important and yeah there's so much that i love about open mics but i think from a craft perspective people think sometimes like don't realize like you were saying like how much you can learn if you're paying attention Mm. and like really participating right um open mics are great places to learn yeah mm-hmm.
1: um well along with that jose you know um uh, just maybe one one final question for you um i have uh, other colleagues who are teaching your work um mm-hmm. you know rich yanez uh, yasmin ramirez uh, Dana Munoz, uh, good good friends and colleagues of mine And, uh, we're, we're part of a program, you know, that tries to teach, uh, teach, uh, culturally relevant literature like yours. And so, like I said, you know, that's why we're all the more bummed that, you know, this isn't going to be able to happen, but of course, you know, safety first, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I was just wondering if you had a message to them since, uh, they'll probably be listening, um, whether, you know, uh, students will actually be assigned to listen to this and, um, you know, if you had a message to the, the students of El Paso Juarez and Las Cruces, uh, or to the, to the instructors who will be teaching your work.
2: Yeah, uh, first, I just wanna say what's up to El Paso Juarez, Las Cruces. Um, I'm bummed that I can't be there in person to actually have conversations, but hopefully uh, in, in safety and in health, that time will come um i want you to know that i made the book that i made citizen illegal thinking about reaching students thinking about teachers thinking about um how i could be of service to latinx people to mexican americans and chicanos i wrote you know i wrote the book without translating the Spanish in part because I wanted anyone who picked up the book to realize that that they were welcome that that they weren't I wasn't trying to translate to a white audience so I was writing it kind of hoping that it would find you um and I want you to know that I I just it means so much to me to know that you're reading the book if you're reading it um and I if it inspires you to write your own work, then I encourage that. And if it inspires you to ask questions, then I encourage that. And if it inspires you to critique some things, then I also encourage that. And and yeah, I just, you know, I I'm excited to hopefully one day get a chance to go and not just get to read my own poems, but to get to sit at the open mic and get to listen to your poems and hear about what you're doing and what you're going through and what you have to say. And yeah, really, I just want to say thank you. Uh, and yeah, I, I, it means, it means a lot to me.
1: Thank you so much for say for, for that message. And, uh, you know, or this is a time when I think poetry is, is all the more important, you know, because we're sitting alone and, um, on our homes and, you know, we're reading, we're listening to things, uh, and we really appreciate, you know, your, um, your your message of solidarity to us here, uh, the the way that you speak in your poetry and in your open mics, you know, will really resonate with our students. Um. So yeah, thank you again. Um. I don't know if Vanessa and Richie had uh, any other messages. Just
0: yeah, Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thanks, y'all. Yeah. I really, I'm really happy that we got a chance to connect and talk.
1: Me too. You know, I, I really <laughs> appreciate that you were able to do this. Uh, I, I'm glad that it was able to work out at least through the podcast. Want to send you, you know, our best wishes for your health and safety for you and your familia, um, and uh, ho- hopefully, you know, we can be in touch later on this year.
2: Yeah, and you know, likewise, I I hope that you all stay safe, that your family stay safe, and loved ones stay safe. And, yeah, I'd, I'd be really happy to talk anytime.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Jose. You take
2: care. Right on. Saludos. You too. Thank you. Saludos. Nos vemos. Bye. Right. Bye, bye, bye,
0: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode discussing Citizen Illegal with Jose Olivares. And if you haven't read it, we hope we inspire you to pick up a copy. Literally Literary is brought to you by the Mellon Foundation through the Humanities Collaborative at EPCC and UTEP. Follow us on Instagram at literallyliterary.ep and on Twitter at literallylitep.